morning, church. Does anyone else vote that we go to a service outside? Yes? I'd like nine of you, like, listen, we're going to revolt today. We're going to rebel and if we don't go outside. So we're going to get you out there soon enough, okay? Um, but we have some work to do here this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Chris, one of the pastors here at Kessid. And we are continuing in our uh, second part of this two-part series we're calling The Brave Life. And, and just to give a, a a short recap on, on kind of the ground we covered last week. We, we really looked at the idea that the Bible is, is a, a, a collection of stories with grand narratives. There are common themes that are in the scriptures. And one of the most common themes that we see is that over and over again, in one way or another, from statements like, do not fear, to fear not, to take courage, to be courageous, the Bible tells us some 365 times to be brave. To not live in fear, to not let fear be the driving motive of our life. And so what we want to do is for a couple weeks um, as we uh, are in spring and heading into the summer and in this journey in our lives, we want to stop and we want to recalibrate and kind of re-zoom in on that idea and then figure out what that means specifically for our lives. Last week we asked a question, a simple question, what if? Looking at the parable of the mustard seed... We were reminded that the promises of God often come, they show up in seed form. They show up in the smallest things. It would be amazing, right, if we could just go to the store and whatever our, our heart's desire is, we could get it in finished form, right? From the relationship to the marriage to the, um, to the vocation that we have to anything that we want to do. It would be wonderful if Costco on one of the racks had whatever we want in finished form. But unfortunately, that's not the case. The life that we live is one that requires brave moments. And what we want to do is be people that live a brave life uh, built up of those brave moments. So we're studying that. So last week was kind of zoom in of, of what if I, and it was more looking at you specifically, um, dreams, hopes, desires, and what has God placed in your heart. And then this week we want to zoom out for that and ask the question, what if we? In a couple areas, and I'm I'm asking a little bit of permission to dream a little bit from stage for our community, for our church community, for us. But what we can't do here's here's what we can't do. If we are to dream a little bit and ask a question like, "What if we?" Um, the only way that that gets accomplished is if all of us uh, step up to the plate bravely on our "What if I's." Each one of us individually come together collectively to do that. So uh, we're going to talk about bravery a little bit. We're going to be talking about fear uh, a little bit today. So to start, I would like to, to share a story with bravery and fear involved. And like most stories that I like to share from stage, it's one where I look really silly uh, in it. And so I'd like to do that with you this morning. Um, I had a really uh, incredible uh thing happened in my life about a week ago. Uh, I got engaged, which is pretty awesome. Yes. Someone last service, because we're talking about bravery, was like, she's brave. I was like, yeah. yes, she very much is. Um, and so I'd love to share this story a little bit that, of the experience that I had, because most of us in life, we have plans, and then there's the way that wor life actually works out. And there's a lot of fear involved in between that. So um, 
walking into this, uh, my fiance and I, Rebecca, we love going on hikes. Uh, most Saturday mornings we're out somewhere hiking, walking somewhere outside. And so I was trying to brainstorm how I could do this without her knowing that it's coming. And we've been talking about taking this step in uh, our relationship. And so I tried to throw her off the trail a little bit and, and say, hey, babe, let's go on this hike on Saturday morning that I'm planning, but then also let's go to dinner on uh, Saturday night and bring a couple outfit choices, right? And so I tried to make her think it's coming on Saturday and I could kind of slip it in there on Sunday, Saturday morning, um, and, but it didn't work very well because I'm not very good at that stuff. But um, what I did do, though, is as we had talked about um, this experience, the one thing she said was, hey, I'd really love for this to be intimate, um, another way of saying this is, if you do this at a Blazer game, I'm running for my life, right? And so that was the goal. Like, we're going to do this outside, and it's going to be intimate, and it's going to be just us. Well, there just so happens to be this place on the far side of Round Lake, which is right next to Lacamas Lake, if you guys know where that is, um, that uh, actually grew up. My dad used to take us fishing there. It's a really cool spot, and it's the, the one spot in the whole lake where it all opens up, and you can see the whole lake. There's trees. It's kind of off the beaten path uh, uh, just a little bit, the main path anyway. Um, and so I was like, this is the... So I went out there, looked around, and was like, this is the spot. And then I built the team, all right? And so if you guys know uh, Bernadine that runs our women's ministries and, and, and all of us, for the most part, uh, here at Casted... <laughs> Um, I, I grabbed Bernadine and I grabbed Julie who designs our sets and I put together this crack team um, to start with and I, we dreamed a little bit together and we wanted to create this experience for her, right? And so um, we built in some, some uh, amazing people that came to help uh, as well. And, and so what we wanted to do is just build this for her to walk around the corner and see this and for us to have an amazing experience together. So we pulled out all the stops for that, right? And so uh, the day came, really excited, but here's the thing. I coached soccer, all right? And we had a one o'clock game. We got to get this done in the morning so I can coach soccer a little bit. Um, and so the team had to be out there like before 6 a.m. setting this thing up, right? Well, I get a text from Bernadine at 6.15 a.m., that says, call me. You can imagine what my heart, everything in me did at that moment, like something's wrong, all right? And she calls me, and I can hear a lot of sound around here, and she's like, so, you know how you wanted a really intimate setting for this proposal? There's a run for life at the lake today. <laughs> and I begin a two-hour-long freak-out session, right? that I'm trying to do just inside, not outside, just inside. And I go into every scenario in my mind. I'm like, what are we going to do? Um, maybe we could do something else. But we've, I mean, we went down there and we measured from tree to tree things that are hanging. Like there's no way to make this work at another spot. And I'm going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And I can hear Bernadine like talking to a guy who's trying to tell her, tell her no. And if you know Bernadine and all, and, and you and you try to get between Bernadine and what, like, Mama Bear, like, that ain't going to work for you. And so I was very blessed to have Mama Bear Bernadine on my side. And so she actually just said, it'll be fine. We'll make it work. And I think hung up on me. And I'm like, all right. And I'm, for the next two hours, just trying to trust that this is going to be okay. All right. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's not that big a deal. Maybe it's a little run. Sometimes there's just, like, little runs that are, like, 40 people or whatever. Nope. 
We show up there, we drive up, there are hundreds upon hundreds of people there. There are, there's no parking everywhere. We have to park three streets over, all right? And we get out of the truck, and I'm just trying to hold it together, and all of a sudden I hear the loudspeakers, all right? They've brought an entire PA system down there. And let me ask you a question. When you think of intimate settings, do you think of ACDC? Because I don't think of ACDC. And so they're pumping, people are like just jumping around, getting ready for the race and stretching and everything. And I'm just like, and I'm, at this point, I'm like, Lord, I have a knife that I carry in my hiking backpack and I may cut the power cord and you're going to have to forgive me, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get up there and I'm trying to just, what do we do? At this point, we're a little late because of the parking stuff and everything. And so uh, we get in there and the person on the PA says, Runners, five minutes, five minutes. And I'm like, okay, maybe, just maybe, if we wait till after they run, then uh, they'll turn the music off. Like, maybe they'll do that. So I'm like, I have to use the bathroom, right? And you ever tried as a guy to make five minutes work in the bathroom? Like, it doesn't have, like, someone's going to be like, are you okay? Like, so I made it like two in there. And, and I come back out, and no one's even come over yet. And I'm like, he said five minutes. Like, come on, people. And so we're standing there. <laughs> we're standing there. And she's like, so do you want to go? And I was like, just, you were spinning, like, looking for something to say in your mind. Like, well, I have to find something. And I was like, babe, listen, I, I've run Spartan races before. And it's a really special moment when you start races. <laughs> we need to experience this together. And her face goes, What? And I was like, yeah. And then I did this thing, right? You ever, you ever said something? To, and then I did the thing where I just turned away. And I'm like, if I can't see you, you can't disagree. So I'm in this. So I locked into the start of the race, and I'm just stalling the best that I can. I'm just like, brothers, yeah, you can do this. Like, and so they, they do the horn. They start the race. And by the grace of God, like two minutes in, they turn the music off, right? And so we walk around the lake and... The crazy thing is, is the race goes about four feet from the spot that we created, okay? Not the best for an intimate setting, but we have this little window, right? It's, I'm like a quarter of the way around the lake this way. They have to run three quarters of the way around the lake. So I'm kind of like, let's go, let's walk run like over there. Like, so let's, I'm trying to get, keep the pace a little bit without freaking her out. And so we're walking and, um, <laughs> And then we get to a spot where I see it, and she's so wonderful. We're having a conversation, and she does what like a real human being does. She's like engaging with me, right? But I want her to see it. I'm like, it's right there. You, you need to get the whole experience. So I kind of stop, and I just do this. <laughs> and she's looking at me, and I'm like. And she actually goes, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> and finally she sees it, and we get to walk up there, and I am so blessed by wonderful people in my life that came to help put this experience together, and we have this thing that we say that you're my person, and there's a sign that says that, and there's this little picture with my son holding a sign that says you're my person too, and it's just beautiful moment, and I got to share what I wanted to share, and I cried my eyes out, and I got to get down on my knee, and I got to propose, and she said yes, which is awesome. <laughs> And then we get done, and there's this 
beautiful picnic laid out with all these amazing things. And there's a picnic basket. And so we sit on the blanket and we get out and we pour her some tea. And I grabbed one chocolate covered strawberry and I get right here. And the first runner goes by. <laughs> and then we're like, you know, maybe this guy's an overachiever. And there's not, nope. Second runner goes by. Third runner goes by. And every single one's like, oh, like from three feet away, right? Because it looks like a proposal. It's not, this isn't like some overachieving dude that like, hey, let's have a picnic. I mean, it's, it's done, right? And so every single person, one lady is running by, and I kid you not, she's running, and she doesn't look at us. She just goes, love wins, right? That's all she does. <laughs> and so at this point, we just say, um, I'm flustered, right? So the experience is, it's gone well, but I'm like, like you're just three shades past wherever healthy is. I'm no longer there anymore. And so she's like, hey, what if we grabbed our stuff and just finished our hike? Here's the problem. I never, I never planned on that whatsoever. I thought we were going to finish our thing and leave because there's a second part of the experience. All right. We were to walk back. And as you walked back, there was a rose hung from different trees, and they had a little tag on it that says, reasons why I want to marry you. And by the end of it, she ends up with a bouquet, right? Really beautiful thing. But I'm so flustered, I'm like, sure, let's go for a hike, right? Let's go for it. Fifteen minutes later, we're lost. I don't know where we are. GPS, the thing, my phone's not working about where we are. And then... My wonderful friend Mel, who helps me in so many areas of life, shoots, finally gets service, and I get a text, and she says, did you forget about the roses? And I'm so flustered, I said out loud, roses? What is she talking about? And then I went, oh! And at this point, we had walked all the way around the lake. It was supposed to go one through ten. You got the, the roses? No, we we're on the other side, so we had to go ten through one, right? And here's the best part. So we're walking this way. So everyone else got the whole experience, one through ten. Like all the people were walking by. So, so everyone's going, it's going to be a good day. Like, and then there's one lady who just like a stinking gnat just followed us. Right? Like we're going up to the tag and reading it. And she's like, ooh. Like, ah. Like, and I'm not kidding. Okay. You'll have to forgive me. But at this point, I'm done. I'm like, I'm so enjoying this experience, but please, have you ever tried to say something in your mind and said it with your mouth? <laughs> so we're having this intimate moment that we're trying to have. She's reading a card of reasons why I want to marry her. And this lady's like peeking over my fiance's shoulder, like reading it. And I actually just said, please go away. <laughs> I was like, right? And we just kept going, right? Oh. <laughs> so that was our experience. And here's, <laughs> here's the thing. I went through more crazy fear and little brave decision in a two-hour span that I can ever remember my entire life. And one of the reasons we're doing this series here um, this couple weeks is that bravery shows up different for all of us, depending on the, the place that you're at. For some of us, we, we think of bravery and we're thinking knights and dragons. And there are some dragons that we need to slay in our community and in our lives. That's absolutely true. But sometimes it's little small things. Sometimes it's me trying to make a decision, like, Chris, don't freak out and cut the power cord. Like, or like whatever it is, like little small things are just say, what's the bravest thing I could do right now? Like in my current context, where I'm at in my life right now, 
That's our goal is to learn how to do that. And to do that, we have to be very present in our lives. We have to be super aware in our lives. And so uh, our hope during this series is that we, um, we bring together people that are consistently battling fear and shame and these different things, and we can together cheerlead each other on um, through the midst of it. If I wouldn't have gotten a text from Mel that said, what about the roses? I would have just kept walking. I would have left. It never would have happened, right? But there are these little people that are, that are so important in our lives that help put us back on track. Right? Help put us back on the journey that we, um, one, had planned for. But even if we're in plan B of the life that we planned for, that it's going in the right direction. And so that's what our, our hope is today. So what I want to do is that um, I wanna, today I want to paint a picture of our reality together. So church, when I say reality, our reality. Then I want to dream and hope with you in our community. And then I want to release us all to act. Okay? So this is when... It gets a little awkward because I start making real eye contact with you guys and say, this isn't just a community. This is um, a bunch of individuals that each one of you, when I say you have something to do here and a role to play here, I'm not just talking to the person next to you. I'm saying you, the Holy Spirit conviction is going, I believe it today. And it may be the smallest brave step, maybe relationally, just some words said, some putting down fear. Or maybe a huge thing. But whatever your next step is, I'm encouraging you to take that. And we have action to do out of this, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to read Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. So I'm going to read 16 verses to us. And we're calling this kind of our roadmap to the brave life today. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus from prison. And he's giving them some, like, some like encouragement and some boundaries and some uh, some, some wise words of how to live out this brave life. And, he, and so what we're going to do is we're going to read all of it at once, and then we're going to go back through, and there's about four or five little beautiful nuggets that apply to our context right now that we're going to pull out um, and that we're going to dive into. Okay, so we're going to read, if you have your Bibles, we're actually going to be reading out of the, the message version uh, here today. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Says this, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert in noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. Is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of earth? And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up to highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled with, 
filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we are all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We will not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. That's good stuff right there. That's really good stuff. And, and if I can put my Bible nerd hat on for just a second. I am passionate that the scriptures provide life for us. But like most things, they require our whole attention. And, and to take a bite of, of something like that in that size is really hard to do. Right? When we read scripture like that, it's beautiful and it's encouraging. But each verse and each sentence is packed with so much truth often requires us to dive in a little deeper. And it's an encouragement for you as, as we were reading the scriptures and you're growing in your faith that you're not glossing over the novel, right, and missing the small parts that are, um, that are right there inside of it. One of the things that Paul said, speaking to the church in Ephesus, is he said this, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. What he's saying is this, the way that you love should not be stop and start. It should be steadfast. We call this church kessid because in the Old Testament, that word means steadfast love. It is a, um, a love that you can't wash off. Danny likes to say it's like a mother's love, if, that if you were to go to prison for 30 years and get out, that your mom would be right there with cupcakes because she's mom and she loves you, Right? So this is the type of love that Paul is, um, is encouraging us to love each other with. And this love is really hard to do. It's really easy to have birthday party love, right? Really big, exciting stuff. But the walking alongside for a long time is really difficult to do. I saw a picture of this recently, actually over the last year. When I dropped my son off for school in the, in the morning, um, there's this beautiful family that we see all the time. Um, there's a mom that's there with a daughter and a son. And the daughter is in the same grade as my son, just in a different class. And so we often see them right near the class. And then the son's a couple years uh, younger. And family's beautiful. The son is awesome. He says some of the most amazing things. Just last week, they were walking right in front of me. And uh, I heard him say, Mom, right, in his cool voice. And he's like, Mom, I brought my alarm clock. <laughs> and if you're a parent, you're like, I relate to this. Like, she's like, like in your backpack? And he's like, yeah, but I turned it off. It's fine, right? Like, he's just awesome. And I've had these little, like, little <laughs> nuggets of him over the last year. But this beautiful thing happens. Mom comes in, and she hugs and kisses daughter goodbye. And she turns to the son every day, and she says, okay, go pick out your chair for our pep talk. 
right? And it's very clear just in my inter- interactions with this little boy that he is amazing and exciting and beautiful, but normal school is a hard thing for him. That, that the actual sitting in chairs for long periods of time and giving full attention with all the noises and sounds and friends and everything going around is a really difficult thing for him to zoom in on. And so this mom is doing this beautiful thing. She's not, she's not pretending like that's not a thing. Every single day, every single day, they're sitting in that seat and she is giving two, three minutes to him, right? And she's focusing him, she's zooming him in, and she's like, what's our goals today? And they have a little thing that they say back and forth every single day. And this mom and this very beautiful woman, when you think of steadfast love, a lot of things, we think of these proposals and roses and everything else, and that's beautiful. But that's steadfast love. I'm I'm in it. I'm with you. I'm not pretending um, that reality isn't what it is right now. And I'm going to walk alongside you in a way that prepares you for life. This is steadfast love. This is the kind of love that Paul is is calling us to, to where we can live a brave life together. Now, you zoom out from just that situation. You zoom into our our church right now. Um, On a weekend here at Kesed, we will have just a little under 200 children uh, here that Keith and his amazing team are playing with and hanging out with and investing in. All right. when you're at the place that we're at right now, we end up with the same dilemma that a school does. With a classroom size this big, right? There are certain kids that walk into the room and they're just high-fiving. I know the routine. I'm in. What's the lesson today? Let's sing some worship songs. And there's other uh, uh, amazing kids that are built for other sittings. But this one is, is, is there's a lot of fear involved in that. There's, um, and so uh, it's harder for them. And we often, and, and if you've been a parent um, that your numbers ever gone up uh, in, during church, right? You know that feeling, right? And we're like, look, like they all know. It's me. They all, right? Um, that's a hard thing to do. And then all of a sudden where you were coming here to get invested in and get poured into, now you're having to, to leave and take care of your, your child. And that's a hard thing to do, right? And so... Keith and I like to dream together a little bit. We, Keith and I are big kids at heart. I'm 34. I think Keith is 50 uh, now. But if you go to, like, a party with us, like, you'll see the adult section and the kids section. And me and Keith are normally, like, flicking a paper football with the kids. Like, that's just how we're wired and how, just how we are. And so we dream. And when we first look at a community, we think of those kids. And we think of what it would look like, right? That mom has gotten to know that young man in that story. Right? And she's walking alongside him. But not all of us are there, and, and some of us need help, and we need encouragement. And especially on Sunday morning, right, we need some other people to come alongside. And we have hopes and we have dreams that there would be people passionate enough to say, um, and maybe I can't teach in a classroom, but you know what? I can hang out with one kid, for the, and we can play Legos the whole time. And I can be a part of making church be a safe place for them. Right? Safe place for them to learn about God, learn about themselves, learn about relationships, learn about um, the love that a, that a community uh, can gather around and bring to one person. Right? But when I dream of this, sometimes it feels um, pretty far away because it's j- we just have our normal routine. Right? But what I don't want to do is ever not share the dream. Right? When I think of youth ministry, 
We do, uh, I've, I've been blessed to lead groups over 500 on a weekly basis and starting from scratch to where all of us could share one Little Caesars pizza. And then all in between. And um, what I know is even though we may do the large gatherings well, my goal is always to get more intimate. Right? With my students, my goal is always to bring them from a group of 500 to a group of 50 right, to a group of 10 or 5. Right? And that's when we can truly walk alongside each other in life. That's the goal of all of us in church is move. And so, my, so I, I start from, from the youngest up, and I think, man, what would it look like if we're looking at this idea of mustard seed that we talked about this week? What would it look like to start tr- not just dreaming but actually planting the seeds? I'm saying, man, our kids are going to be loved on, like, like crazy loved on. Like, like they're going to have five mentors around them. There's a beautiful... Um, uh, kind of mentor in the youth ministry world named Kara Powell, and she talks about this idea of a lot of times when you're investing in kids or children, it's all about ratios. You're like, okay, one adult for five kids for this age group, one adult for seven kids for this ratio. This is when it's safe and everything else. She flips it on its head, and she said, actually, you should have five adults for one kid. And it's like, what? I might have 250 adults for my 50 kids, and they're like, no, they don't have to show up on a Wednesday night. All right? But each kid in their point of life should know the five people that's investing in them. All right? And she talks about how crazy it is. She goes, I, she actually said, I take other people that I want to invest in my daughters out to a date, a coffee date, and I actually ask them like it's a date, will you over the next year invest in my kid? All right? Will you go four or five coffees, take them to, one of the things we do in youth ministry uh, all the time, I'll give you this, is free, is fries and frosties, two bucks, right? Fries and frosties, all right? Every kid in my youth group knows fries and frosties, phones go away. Everyone knows. Phones go away. This is about connection right now. We're dipping fries and frosties, whether it's telling jokes or talking about intimate things, fries and frosties, right? And so this is the idea is that we're always trying to get into a a closer, more intimate setting. It's the invitation that Paul's inviting us to, and it's the the model that Jesus did. How many did, when Jesus went to change the world, what did he do? He grabbed 12, right? He could have grabbed 200. He grabbed could have grabbed 2,000 or 2 million, but he said, I'm going to invest in these people right here, and I'm going to walk alongside them. That's what we are called to do. Over the course of this, the next 20 minutes that we have here together, my goal is that you are zooming in on the specific people that God has called you to walk alongside, and that we are getting not just focused, but laser focus on how I walk alongside that person. Okay? That's the hard part, though, right? When hoping becomes action. It's really good to say, I really want to invest in so-and-so. And then you're like, how do I do that, right? We have this struggle all the time in youth ministry. Like, let's do it! And then you're trying to get kids' attention, all right? How, how do we do it? This is, this is the continuous problem that we have. We're reminded that the Bible, that, that Paul tells us this, that you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together both outwardly and inwardly hard thing to do though, right? How many of us in this room have gotten convicted on a Sunday at some point and said, I'm signing up for the Bible study, right? I'm doing it. I'm buying the book. I'm going, right? And then you show up and you're like, I am not spending 10 weeks with them, right? Like, no way. Yeah, you can, it's okay. You can laugh underneath a little bit, right? (laughs) It's hard to do when we're trying to actually take it from just idea and hope to how do we do this? So we're going to spend a little bit of time figuring out how to do this today. 
Paul says, the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of earth. Christ gave us a model for how to walk alongside people. Henry Nguyen says it like this. God came to us because he wanted to join us on the road, to listen to our story and to help us realize that we are not walking in circles but moving towards the house of peace and joy. This is the great mystery that continues to give us comfort and consolation. We are not alone on our journey. The God of love who gave us life sent his only son to be with us at all times and in all places so that we never have to feel lost in our struggles but always can trust that he walks with us. Jesus came to show us how to walk on the same road and in the same direction together. We are to look at his life and emulate that. Most of the broken relationships that we've ever had in our life are because we've stepped out on our own and we've said this is what it means to walk alongside someone else. So I want to do something uh, here today. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to show you a little bit. For this, though, I need a little bit of help. So I'm going to invite my friend Jonathan up on stage. So can you please give Jonathan a hand while he comes up here? Jonathan is my friend. Jonathan uh, is a high schooler in our student ministry, and uh, we've been friends for a couple years now, hanging out. Now, like most relationships, um, there's, a, there's a rhythm that we want to have with relationship, right? My goal is, he's, Jonathan's my friend, but I'm also his pastor, and so we have a unique relationship, and my goal is to walk alongside Jonathan, uh, and it's a constant... Uh, journey to figure out how do I do that well. And all of us are in relationships. Every single relationship that are in your life, you're figuring out how do I walk alongside my spouse? How do I walk alongside my friends, my kids, my coworkers? Like, how does that work out? So the goal when you're walking alongside someone is you're shoulder to shoulder. You're right next to them, right? They've got their lane that they get to run in. I've got my lane that I get to run in. And we're just going. And when they step... I step, and when they step, I step. And, and, and so hopefully we are just in tandem here together. Now, we know that we're, we're different people from different families and different experiences, so sometimes we get a little out of step, right? So every once in a while he's a little bit in front of me, or every once in a while I'm a little bit in front of him. But the goal is that we stay pretty near to each other. We stay hooked, right? This is what we want to do in life. That's the goal. That's what we want to do. But inevitably, this isn't um, how we stay. So here's the problem that we have. Uh, I'm 34 years old. How, are you, how old are you again, Jonathan? Jonathan is seven. You're half of me. Yes. <laughs> so, so Jonathan is amazing, and he brings more to my life than I ever could to his. But there are areas in life that I have just, I've had more experience. I've lived longer. Um, and there's areas of my life that I'm, no, I'm not right here next to him. I'm actually, I'm way in front of him, right? I'm here, and I've worked hard to get here. There are things that have died in me to get here. There's experiences that I've had to get here. There are things I've repented of and grown in that got me from there, 17-year-old Chris, to here. And my hope and my prayer for Jonathan is that he can get from there to here, right? Most of us, we can think of every single relationship that we're in. We're thinking of, like there's ways that we see that this person needs to grow in this way and we want to help them do that. But this is the really hard thing. How do I get Jonathan from there to here? How do you do it? 
There's a way that culture kind of has us to it. All right, this is one of the ways. Come here. And I take him from over there to over here. But here's the problem. Jonathan didn't choose to be right here with me. Right? I made him come over here with me. And there's, this, there's a few rules about love that it always operates in freedom. So every time I look away from Jonathan, he's actually now just going to drift back to where he always wanted to be in the first place. And again, as I'm saying this, we're thinking about the specific relationships that we have in our lives. Right? So a lot of times I'm trying to force Jonathan to be where I'm at. I'm projecting my story onto his story. Right? Another way I can just do that is say, Jonathan, get over here. Get over here. Jonathan, get over here. And now we're here again. But here's, again, the problem that we have. Jonathan didn't want to be here in the first place. And now our relationship, the foundation, is me of a person who's continually telling Jonathan where he should be. I'm not saying things like, I love you and you're amazing. Right? I'm more just consistently bringing a message that says, you're not where you're supposed to be. And so what's going to happen, not only does Jonathan now want to move away to where he was, but actually he's going to move farther away from me because I bring to this relationship now an element of shame. He's not who he should be. And so now we're farther apart than when we started. So how do we do this? Every single person in this room is walking alongside a spouse, a kid, a friend. We're trying to figure, this is, this is what all of us are doing, trying to figure it out. We're trying to get to Christ, trying to get to wholeness and grace and truth. How do we do this? Well, Jesus gave us a model for how to do this. So I'm going to show you. Jesus came and stood right next to us, right? Right? But he came from heaven. This is what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to come, and I see where you're at, and I see that you need to get here. All right, this place of wholeness and grace and truth. But instead of forcing you to come where I am, I'm going to come next to you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring that with me. I'm going to bring heaven with me. I'm going to bring everything that I've learned, right? But I'm willing to empty myself of my rights, and I'm going to come alongside you. And while I'm standing here, I'm going to tell you how amazing you are and that you blessed my life, that you're in my life, Right? But also, I'm going to tell you about the journey that I've had and how my journey from here to there. And I'm going to encourage you to take a step. And so the goal would be that I just stand here. And here's the scary thing about it. I stay here as long as it takes. Even when it gets awkward. Even when there's no movement. And I wait. And then finally takes a step and I take a step and finally he takes a step and I take a step and then sometimes he stops moving and I wait again and because I got filled up there I have enough to stay here because I got what I needed from here this relationship is an overflow of the real relationship that I have with Christ and this is what we are wanting to do here at Kesson with every student that we have, is have people walk alongside each other. But it's not just the ministry here at Kesson. We're wanting you to be Christ next to the people that God has brought into your life. We're wanting Jonathan, that when he's 34 years old, that there's a 17-year-old young man that he's doing the exact same thing for. 
and then that young man, and then that young man, and then that young man. And that seed planted, that will, that will provide shade for a lot of people. This is what we want to do here at Kesley. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in our community, but can you guys give Jonathan a hand for helping me out? <clears throat> so what's it going to take? Paul said, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ and everything. He said, no prolonged infancies among us, please. What that means. You can't, what is, what is a baby uh, other than a person of perpetual need, right? There, this is when we step out into a little bit like really honest talk now. There are people in here that have stayed in a place of perpetual need and God is calling you to take brave steps to start investing in people's lives and you're thinking, who am I? How could I do this? There's a story in Luke chapter eight of a demon-possessed man who used to run around naked. The people didn't know what to do with him so they just chained him to trees and he would literally just get out of that. And, and Jesus came along, and the way to, get, to help this man was to cast out demons that are inside of him into a herd of pigs. And then the pigs then ran off the cliff and drowned, right? So here's what happens. Jesus takes the crazy guy, right? And this is what he tells him. Go home and tell, everything, tell everyone what God did in you. So if Jesus can take the, the naked crazy guy, right, and send him in to change the world, then he can definitely take you and I, all right? So many of us, we're in fear right now. We live in a perpetual place of fear because well, what if they know this about my story? And what, what if, oh man, I couldn't do that. That's, that's for other people, right? No, this is for you. The idea, the word church comes from this idea of ecclesia, which is the gathering of the called out ones, which means there was a place that you were and you were called out of that and this is the place you are now and that requires action. That requires us continually stepping up to brave acts. That requires us relationally investing in one another. Some of us need to really process and go, Lord, who are the four or five? And there's not a, there's not a million. Jesus only had 12. But there's, there's four or five that you are supposed to be investing in, whether it be your spouse, kids, it's a mentor role, someone in your life that needs to full attention to go, how, Lord, I need you to show me how to walk alongside this person in their journey, in their pain, and exactly where they're at right now. And there's others of us, and this may be even scarier, there's others of us in this room that need to go to someone to take them to coffee and to say, listen, I don't know how to walk in the right direction in this road of mine right now. I need you to come and walk alongside me. I don't know how to do this. The worst thing we can do as people, as followers of Christ, is ignore what reality is. Reality is there, there's areas that we don't, know, we don't know how to make the next step. We literally don't know how to do it. And we have to go to some wise people that God has blessed us with and say, will you help me? Will you walk alongside you, me? Will you come and take me on this journey? I wonder what it would look like if today was a, a shift, that we took true inventory of the way that we love people. 
you manipulate sometimes? Do you take people and put them where you want them as as opposed to where they're supposed to be in life? Do you allow others to do it to you? The way that bravery shows up is different for everyone right now. Every single person here. But God sees you right where you're at in your story, in your life. And he's calling you out. It could be a step this big. It could be a step this big. All right. One of the ways that sin shows up in our life is when we say no to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If I could look at the, the seeds that I want to plant in our, in our students, is that they will have amazing, messy lives, right? That they will learn along the way and there will be mistakes made. But that when the Holy Spirit speaks and guides you towards a specific thing, you realize that that comes often in seed form and that requires watering, requires energy, requires time, but that we'd be people to act. Kesset is eight years old as a church. I got to be here when it was one day old. All right? And I look at the tree that it's grown up into now and it, the people that it provides shade for, and I'm proud of that. But then I also project forward into the next eight years and the next eight years and the next eight years and my seven-year-old. Like, who's going to invest in him? I'm going to do the best I can, but I need help. I need help because we want this tree to grow. We want this tree to grow. We want you guys to be a part of this journey together. There's some of you in this room. um, We're doing a a gathering this coming Wednesday for our youth ministry. All right, we want every parent that has a middle schooler, high schooler, we want you there. We want you here. we're, We're not just a school that you drop your kid off on. This is a partnership that we want to grow together. And I need to know a little more about your seed. All right, I need to know a little bit more about your kid and their story. Right, an hour and a half. I get 72 hours if you just count up my Wednesdays a year, 72 hours with your students, all right? This needs to be more of a partnership where we work together and share together and collaborate together. Not just me hope, okay, uh, let's get some time this week, all right? Some of you need to step out and say, go to Pastor Keith and say, Keith, I know that what you're doing here is amazing and I'm scared to do this. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but I want to help. Show me how I can help. And what that looks like in the long term would probably mean you finding just a specific group of kids that you say, I love this type of kid that when they show up. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, babies, all the above. I'm, I'm, I'm just calling you out of the, the safe place that you're at right now. Encouraging you to step out, to be brave. We decided today that we were going to close without a worship song because I don't think today requires a ton of contemplation on if, all right, but more just about what, and maybe even more about who. So what I want to do is I want to read over you Paul's words in Ephesians 3 as a prayer. Uh, The Bible calls a prayer for spiritual strength, and just pray, and we'll release you to go. But before before I pray... Go, act. A faith without action is not a faith at all. Let me read this for you. 
Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend, comprehend with all the saints, the church, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you to walk alongside us and we need to be people that acknowledge this. We need you. We don't want to plant and water and grow a tree that will not bring life to others. We want to do so for generations and generations to come. Your love and your grace is felt. And that begins with a relationship with you. And it's not just more church services, more people diving into the God that walks alongside us on the same road in the same direction. Lord, you teach us how to do that with others. We, may we first have the conviction to be in step with you so that we can be in step with others. We praise you and we thank you this morning that you are with us and we go convicted to make your love known throughout all the world. So Father, we thank you for this time and I thank you for these people. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. God bless you guys, have a great week.